James Stewart didn't hear a word I said and told me, you'll have to speak up. I'd not been told how deaf he was. He was, after all, 67, although, as I later found out, he'd been losing his hearing for many years. So there I was in his dressing room at London's Prince of Wales Theatre, where he was performing Harvey in 1975, shouting questions at him. I was still a green young film journalist, 22 years old, nervous at meeting a screen legend and desperate not to sound like an idiot. Sensing my anxiety, Stuart smiled and said very slowly, It's okay, son. This is only an interview, not a cross-examination. You ask the questions and... I'll do my damnedest to give you an intelligent answer. He also said, You don't have to shout. Just, just speak up. I discovered in later years that he was quite good at lip-reading, although he wouldn't have admitted to it. He may even have been wearing a hearing aid, but I didn't notice. I never have been observant about surroundings or clothing or color schemes. I am always aware, though, of people and what they say and I was aware that James Stewart was remarkably composed, considering he would soon be going on stage to play Elwood P. Dowd, the amiable drunk who believes he's got a six-foot white rabbit called Harvey as a friend. An hour later, I had the remarkable experience of seeing the play and watching Jimmy Stewart perform live on stage. The play was, as Stewart told me, much better than the famous 1950 film version. My second interview with Stuart took place a few years after the first. For a long time, I was convinced it had been in 1980, until while researching this book, I came across the published interview in Photoplay and discovered it was actually 1979. This time, I met Stuart in a London hotel. I think it was the Dorchester, but again, I have poor recollection of such details. I interviewed countless movie stars in countless hotels, countless restaurants, countless studios, countless bars, on countless outside locations, and after so many years, the specifics of those places have often faded in my memory. But the memories of the stars, and some of those who never quite achieved stardom, are indelibly imprinted in my memory banks. And when it came to James Stewart, his mannerisms, his stories, and his folksy persona— All of it is unforgettable. It was on the day of that second meeting that I began to get to know Jimmy Stewart and his wife Gloria. I'd begun the interview by being chatty, saying, I understand you're on your way from the Paris Air Show. I'd forgotten how deaf he was. He tapped his ear and said, You'll have to speak up, I'm a little... And his words trailed off. I think he hated to use the word deaf. So I repeated my question, and he replied, Well, I've been trying to get there for the past 20 years. Why did it take so long? I asked. I don't know, really. I guess mostly my work. Over the years, you get, you know, awful busy. And I've just never been able to, uh, make it. I'd also forgotten just how slowly Stuart talked, and how much he punctuated his sentences with pauses. He truly was the Jimmy Stewart the world had come to love and know. But there was so much more to Jimmy Stewart than what he publicly revealed. He even had secrets, something I was to find out all about because of a brief interruption to the interview. About halfway through, the front door to his hotel suite flew open, and in breezed a woman bursting with vitality and enthusiasm that almost overwhelmed the legendary laconic presence of James Stewart. This young man, he said to me as he rose out of his chair, is my wife Gloria. 
I just did the museum, the natural history, she said. They've got two new exhibits there, fascinating. One is on ecology, the other on dinosaurs. Certainly an improvement on those old cages with all those stuffed animals. They all look so dead. Stuart kissed her and said, but they are dead. She said, I know, but God, they needn't look that dead.